I'm Josh McDonald. And I'm Miranda Materia, and we are Hand Therapy Academy. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite treatments for CMC arthritis. What do we do for these patients who have this persistent thumb pain at the base of the thumb at that first CMC joint? Yeah, so I feel like this is probably something we see a lot of in our clinic, especially our one um, out where it's more in the retirement community location. So we see a lot of this for conservative treatment. Um, so hopefully we can give you a few tips today of what interventions we prefer and moving forward from there. So what what when you're seeing these patients in the clinic, what are the first things you're doing for them? I like to start with like, we typically have like a three session plan. And then if the patient feels like they need more work, we'll add more onto that. But I feel like we can give the patient all the tools they need within like three sessions, give or take. First one, we're talking about um, a short opponent splint or a hand-based thumb spica. Uh, we're trying to get them something to give them the external support that they lack intrinsically as that uh, anterior oblique ligament subluxes, or excuse me, attenuates and allows that subluxation. So we'll do some kind of splinting or orthosis training, if not custom fabrication, if it's allowed for. Um, and then we'll start the conversation on activity modification, um, just to kind of get them thinking about those things and talking about decreasing the load. Um, and then if with whatever time we have left in that first session, we'll also talk about those CMC stabilization exercises. We've talked about that and other things with the handouts that we have where we're doing um, some first dorsal neurosi work. We'll do um, opposition with good tip to tip grasp. Um, and then some work on um, just stabilizing that CMC joint as best we can, maybe tracking around the tennis ball as well. So that's kind of our first, it just depends on how much that patient can absorb because that ends up being a lot of data on the first visit. Yeah, it really is a lot of information to share with your patient. Um, and then tell me what are some common like activity modifications or some different strategies that you're giving your patients, what that looks like. So we'll pull out this basket that we have that has a whole bunch of adaptive equipment in it. And we sit with them and we'll, we pull up um, like an Amazon on our phone or in theirs and just say like, here's three different types of jar openers. Here's a button hook or a button aid. Here's uh, an adapted pen and a, um, some kitchen aid stuff like rocker knives and a cutting board. And so we'll just talk with them about here's this volume of stuff that if you type one of these into Amazon, you'll find the rabbit hole of all these options. So we'll talk about compensations as far as adaptive equipment and built up grips, but we'll also talk about modifying the task itself and saying, maybe I need to take more breaks. Maybe I work at knitting for 30 minutes and then take a break for five and, and just breaking up our task load. So that's both equipment-based and task-based, how we change to ease the load on that joint. Yeah, I think so much of it is patient dependent too, right? Like what are they doing that's really irritating that CMC joint? Are they laying tile? Are they knitting? And then thinking about how you can modify the tasks that they're doing on a continuous basis. And you're right. It's it's patient specific for sure. And sometimes like when they follow this, that we bring out this basket and they'll, oh, here's an adaptive mouse. That's like a vertically positioned thing. Um, and they'll say, oh, that's, that's great. I hadn't thought of that being a, a thing, but the mouse yeah. does bother me. So it's good to get some interview from them and see what bothers them. And then kind of carry that conversation on to here's things that bother some people. And I'll even tell patients when I pull out the button aid, they're like, oh, buttons don't bother me. Or the retired patient population is not even use buttons. Like I wear elastic pants and pullover shirts and that's great. Just know these things are out there because someday in the future, these things may bother you. But now we've planted that little seed in the back of your head that says, maybe when I do have problems cutting food, 
that that rocker knife is something I can, oh, there is something out there. What was that thing? But they know to go looking for it because they know it's out there. Yeah. And then I was thinking too, so when these patients are starting to sublux, um, do you notice any like more, are they more common? Is it more common for them to have carpal tunnel symptoms as that um, carpal tunnel space, you know, diminishes as the joint subluxes more? Or do you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. I have had a couple of patients where they both, they get some tingling and numbness. They lose some functional strength because the line of pull has changed. And because with that carpal tunnel comes a loss of some of that opponent's polysis and adductor pollicis brevis strength and function. So yeah, that's a real common thing is to have that, uh, have other symptoms that kind of confound what it may look like on presentation. Yeah. I feel like these patients really, really benefit from hand therapy. Um, and sometimes they don't know it, right? They're like, well, I guess I'm going to try it. And then after you give them a few suggestions and tips and things like that, then they're like, yeah, well, that really did make a, a significant difference. And I feel like a lot of it is mostly education and then compliance with the exercises that you're giving them, right? So you can give them those exercises, but if they actually don't follow through and do them, you know, basically you have to do them for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. You talk to a patient who's got bad shoulders. You need to stretch your shoulders kind of for forever or do your rotator cuff stuff. Same kind of thing. But man, those patients who are mild to moderate CMC arthritis of that thumb have fantastic outcomes. These are some of our best, best patient outcome stories because they'll come back second visit, maybe a week later with this thumb spica splint, this hand-based thumb spica with they'll do their CMC stabilization exercises. And they just like, Oh, I feel so much better. And it's kind of this empowering thing to say like, you don't have to live in pain just because you're getting older. Like there's lots of things you can do about this. And so I, these are some of the most satisfied patients on the back end because they feel like they can now take control of it and be like, oh, okay, I don't have to live in pain for forever. And I've got these things to do. If it ever flares back up, I know what to pick back up again. Right. And then they can pick up on their symptoms earlier, right? So, so many times these people just make it worse by doing the same thing over and over again. And then just with that little bit of education, they're like, oh, I know what causes it now. So I can change that and I can pick up on it early so I can go do treatment a little bit earlier. So maybe I'm doing paraffin wax at home because I know it's starting to bother me or I'm picking up on some of those symptoms earlier to really um, change the process, the pain process. Yeah. So I mentioned some of the exercises we use is the CMC stabilization, um, index, um, abduction for first dorsal neurosi strength, um, opposition for opponent's polysis activation, and then tracking around a ball, maybe even the chip clip on that first web space. But there's this whole world of exercises that Virginia O'Brien came up with that work fantastic for some of those things. Do you use those on a consistent basis with patients? Yeah, it's definitely in the handout that I give them, and then it's educating on them that they need to do it every day, right? So you're not going to just do these exercises for a couple of weeks. I'm going to want you to continue them out and get that strong, that thumb really stable, right? And then maybe once it's really stable, then you can back off a bit. But once you start having the symptoms, you're going to need to start again. And I think that's what, um, there's a new pub paper published by our friends at Mayo Clinic that showed um, the benefit of those exercises and the importance of doing them and keeping in, um, doing them consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those Virginia O'Brien exercises are fantastic. They work really well. She's done a ton of research on it. Um, she put out a lot of good research supporting them. There's, um, if I'm trying, I'm going to try to remember them. There's the skull rock where you put that uh, arc on the top of your head and kind of lightly distracting the thumb and roll back and forth. That helps to both reapproximate that joint and ease some of the tension in there. Um, there's, uh, 
behind your back, you hold the thumb that's bothering you in the opposite hand and just relax your arms. That lends, lends to just a little distraction of that joint and then it can reapproximate. Um, and I'm blanking on the third one, Miranda. Can you remember, you remember what the third one is off the top of your head? No, I don't, I don't remember what the third one, but I was going to say if you, one question I know sometimes people will ask me, well, I can't get, my shoulders are, have such bad OA, I can't mm-hmm. lift them and put them on my head. So I might use my knee instead uh, of my skull. The same thing is true for the reach behind the back. Some of our patients just don't have that kind of mobility, so they can do it in front of their body too. So there's ways to adjust that to get the same input. Uh, but yeah, those are hugely successful. And she's done a great job of sharing all of that and making it uh, available for a lot of people. So those are very effective. But yeah, that Mayo Clinic article did a great job with the uh, CNC stabilization exercises too. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially validating what we do and showing that conservative management can be successful. Yeah. Um, by the way, the chip clip that was used in the Mayo article um, is a little tough to find sometimes. You can find them on Amazon, um, which we have an Amazon store. You can find all that stuff through if you go to our highlights on Instagram. I've also found them, oddly enough, super cheap at Harbor Freight. I can get like you're paying two bucks a, a piece on Amazon. I can get six of them for like four dollars or something at Harbor Freight. So if you've got a Harbor Freight near you, you can find those a little they're, they kind of match the shape of that first web space really well. They've got a good amount of load to them. Um, they're magnetic. So I tell patients, stick it on your fridge or something like that. So you got it handy. So um, those are really good, like 60 to 90 seconds. And that helps make that uh, agropolysis a little bit less fibrotic. It helps like with the deep tissue release and it re-stretches out that agropolysis to give us a good um, release of that tension that happens in there. Yeah. And one thing I always tell people if they're using the chip clips to pad the teeth, especially with your elderly patients where their skin might be um, a little more frail. So putting a little pad on the teeth of the chip clip um, and then also giving them education, like don't be pinching the chip clip to put it on your other hand, right? Because that's, we know makes the, um, can really aggravate the other CMC joints. So providing education on how they grasp the the clip um, to not irritate their CMC joint. Yeah. All right. Lots of good information there. Um, if you have any questions, reach out to us. Uh, you can either send us a message at um, our Instagram, Hand Therapy Academy, or you can email us at info at handtherapyacademy.com.